This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Hey. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm good. Yay. It's Thursday night. Almost. Yeah. And Um, almost Friday. And almost Friday. And we won't get paid. (laughs) Nope. Oh, well. Every other week. Yes, that's right. Um, so first of all, I want to say shout out to Twitter. There's been, we've gotten shouted out a couple times on there. People really? are asking, people are asking for podcast suggestions. And then a couple people said sip, survive, repeat. I think Thank you. the Freudian sip is the one who mentioned us a couple I love times. that name. That's such a good name. And they also said, um, <laughs> Kenny, did you see this tweet? They said uh, somebody was looking for a female-led uh, podcast, and um, they said something like, we like Sip, Survive, Repeat. And in parentheses, it said, well, there's a guy on there, but he doesn't talk very much. <laughs> That's right. It. We're in charge. <laughs> We're in charge of the talking part. Of Kenny's the talking. Of all the Kenny knows shit. how everything works. <laughs> uh, I couldn't even plug the mics in without Kenny. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't figure that out. It wouldn't fit in the hole. I'll show you later. That's what she said. <laughs> Seriously, it wouldn't. Okay. I am just really excited that I figured out that the one mic stand was upside down. See, what would we do without Kenny? No, listen, I said I did that. I know, but the fact that we had to, you had to figure it out. Well, I figured it out, but then Kenny had to manhandle it to get it out of there because I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I mean. Whatever. We're a great team. Thursday problems. The three of us are a great fucking team. Yeah, we are. Um, okay. So what else were we talking? Oh, we were, t- um, we were talking about, we were trying to take selfies and you, oh, you said I wanna, you would take one. I want a cute one because I feel like every, well, first off, I'm not very photogenic. Second off, we posted the ugliest face in the world last week, which is pretty fucking ugly. So now I feel like I need to redo because some of my friends are like, oh my God, that face is so gross. And I'm like, that was the point. But I still want to like, want people to see my real face, which isn't as ugly. Oh my God. It's partially. No. True or false, you used to do some sort of modeling. Only because I couldn't pay my rent and I never got any like actual like video jobs. I only got like print stuff. Yes, that's true. True. I did get a video job once. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. True. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine. Anywho, you were That gonna, was a long time ago. Okay, but you were going to take a selfie and what did you say? <laughs> I forgot to put mascara on. T- I didn't forget. I did not put mascara on today because I didn't want to. I like that. I just didn't want to do it today. I don't fucking care. <gasps> I can't and my be- lashes feel free. I know. Well, mine always do too, but they also feel like they're invisible. So look at my face right now. They're invisible. Listen, I can't do it. I can't do it. I did it today, and no one said anything, which I'm surprised about. Hmm. Who did you think was going to say something? I just figured in passing. Like usually, if I don't wear mascara, someone's like, "What's? Did you do your makeup differently?" Oh. Like something like that. Mm-hmm. Not anything mean, just like. Just like, hey. Like something's different about your face. <laughs> like you're missing something. Oh, your eyelashes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what kind, we are drinking. Oh, right. Bonanza, which is a cab from California. Also from my. Bonanza. Yeah. Also from my favorite wine cellar, Costco. I think this one's from Costco. I mean, it's a really cute bottle. I feel like the Bonanza looks like it's written a little bit in like thriller font. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just because my eyesight's bad. I think it's actually supposed to be like 
like like rickety wood no No, i think it's supposed to be like rickety wood but again i'm looking at it from far away yeah definitely costco i remember now okay it's good um i was in seattle over the weekend with one of my friends and so i tasted some wines in woodenville which Mm -hmm. is a wine situation i don't know what to call it it's a city that has many wine tasting rooms not very many vineyards i love northwestern wines it was delicious, but the most interesting thing about it was a bunch of the wineries we went to were located in, you want to guess? No. Kenny? I don't know. Storage unit. Ooh. A storage what? unit. Why? Um, I don't really know, but it was a Wait, sto- the <clears throat> winery? I don't understand. Back up. Okay, so the the, the actual like vineyards, this. the actual vineyards are, I don't know, like an hour, hour and a half outside of Seattle. Okay, we were about twenty minutes outside of Seattle, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of tasting rooms. So we went to like Chateau Saint Michel, which is like real famous, and mm-hmm. they have like national, if not international, recognition as a winery. But we went to a bunch of little boutique ones, and the boutique ones, there were two that were in a storage facility. So you pull up, and it's like a storage facility, and the garage doors open, and there's a wine, like a bar that you can do your wine tasting, and then they have like all the barrels in the back. Really? Yeah. Is it like a storage unit? I mean, it's I'm got- I'm picturing like a storage, like a Cube Smart. It is like a Cube Smart. Oh my God. Except for that it has really high ceilings. Okay. So it's like a fancy Cube Smart. Yeah. But it, that's exactly what it is. It's like a, literally garage doors open, come on in, get your wine. That is crazy. I would agree with that. I don't... Ha- Where the barrels are is like kind of um, cordoned off because they have to keep that part colder, I believe. Mm-hmm. So like that part kind of either had like a big plastic sheet in front of it, which mm-hmm. was classy, or um, like kind of a a door that didn't have a door, like an archway. I don't know. They made That's them nice. Something. I I would have never thought of that. That's very different. That's very nor- Pacific Cre- Northwest creative. of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's very Pacific Northwest of you. Um, I also ate 10,000 pounds of oysters. Oh, I'm so jealous. Like, literally, uh, I'm in withdrawal right now. And you just tried an oyster a couple weeks ago. For the first time in my life. And now look at you. Look at me, just eating. We munching oyster. up oysters. We ate oysters daily. <laughs> munching up oysters. That sounds so gross. I know. Um, Slurping up oysters. How was that? ASMR. <laughs> Kenny's like, I'm Kenny's mad like, at that gross, all. you guys. I didn't like it. Well, Jenny was chewing a, a caramel chocolate in Kenny's ear through the mic earlier, so yeah. he's used to it. Don't worry, I'm done with the caramel, so you don't have to... I keep thinking the dog's like like barking, but she's sleeping, and that's her... She's like dreaming, Oh, so she's making noises. But if I... you guys haven't picked up on this, we're at Danelle's house, and she does have a dog, and um, is she a bulldog? English bulldog. English bulldog. Her name is Callie. We'll post a picture of her because she's, she's pretty freaking cute. And she's the unofficial mascot of this podcast. And she is sleeping and making, she's a, making lot of a lot of noises. So I thought she was like whining like to get out of because we have her like crated off in the kitchen because when she walks around, it makes noise. Um, so, but she can see us and it, she's really just snoring and dreaming right now. It's really She's cute. having puppy dreams. Um, I have to also, uh, my dog... One of my dogs. I have four, by the way. This is Jenny. Um, it's too many dogs. I don't suggest it. But if you inherited them, though. Like, yeah, it was kind of like 
I had a dog. My husband, when I was dating him, had two dogs. Then we inherited his mom's dog when she passed. So now we have four dogs and it's like a lot of dogs. Um, but the one dog, I guess over the weekend when I was in Seattle, my husband had to take her to the emergency vet. Oh no. Yeah. Was it Ruby? It was Ruby. I, how did you know? Little, Cause I just think she's so cute and I just feel like, I don't know. She's a little seven pounder. Oh yeah. She's the one who was walking like a C, like the letter C. And, and you talked about that. So I remembered okay. she was having problems. Um, so she gets this like abscess on her above one of her eyes mm. and we don't know what it's from or why it's happening, but she gets it couple times a year and it usually like fills up and looks ridiculous and then drains by itself and we're done well apparently over the weekend it didn't drain it burst that happened to Callie's <gasps> leg remember oh yes and so anyway so we had to take well Donald I was in Seattle D- Donald oh, my bye. husband yeah bye uh had to take her to the emergency vet and they were like yeah do you want to do diagnostic tests or do you just want to do comfort care and we're like she's 14 let's go with comfort care yeah because I don't know if we're gonna find out yeah that's all I mean that's old so she's fine she like I'll post a picture of her maybe we'll do a Callie and Ruby let's do that because Ruby's teeth are beautiful oh my god (laughs) it's a real cute picture well and Callie's teeth are something too so well the other thing is is since she's been sick I kind of feel bad for her, so I kind of let her in places where she's not normally allowed. Aww, rude. Like to snuggle with me on the couch. She deserves it. I think so. Um, okay. So follow us on social media. And I was going to suggest, if you guys don't have survival stories, um, like your own survival stories or friends' survival stories, uh, it would also be interesting if you wanted to send us any weird news ideas. Ooh, that's a good idea. Kenny always is looking for a good weird news idea. Or even any topic you want us to cover. Yes. Like, what if you're afraid? Like, if you're afraid of something, we'll research it and cover it. Anything. Ooh, like, yeah. It's, like, it'll be nice to have, like, we always go off of stuff that we're interested in, but it's, What are you into? It would be nice. It would be a nice help. If we knew what you were interested in and we could cover that. Or what you're terrified of. Or what you're more, yes. What I mean by that is what you're scared of. Yeah. I think that's what this podcast has become. Mm-hmm. Is what are you afraid what of? What terrifies you. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, anything else we need to talk about up here? I think we're good. Okay. Um, Danelle told me I'm first. So. That's the plan. I'm sticking to it. I'm <laughs> going to write my story while you're going. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Oh, I was like, really? Because that's a little rude, but go ahead. No, do, I'm just you kidding. do you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So this is an interesting, um, I don't know, way to do this. So I got a little overly confident with myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I I said, remember that time I read or I watched a documentary and it went well? Yeah. And I didn't it have went to look, really well. And I didn't have to look at a piece of paper. Uh-huh. Well, so I just was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. You Again. can do that. I did, except for now I didn't I didn't write anything down on a piece of paper. You got it, girl. I know. <laughs> so I if, know you and you can do this. If any of these facts are incorrect, I apologize in advance, but here we go. I'm not going to know, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, okay, so this is from my new favorite show, In an Instant. It's a 2020 special. Mm. <laughs> it's a series that it's 2020 right did, and it's the same one that I did for um, The Good Guys robbery Mm -hmm. and hostage thing so okay so there's this lady her name is mary k beckman and i think she's adorable she has like well now she's like a little older and has like this i mean little pixie cut which obviously i'm into (laughs) but she's adorable like she looks so cute and she basically is telling the story and um 
when it starts in 2005, her and her, she calls it her life partner, um, who is a man, but uh, Tom, I believe his name is, they were living in the Midwest and they decided it's too fucking cold here. Agree. Concur. Yes. Um, So they decided that they wanted to really get into real estate and they were like, what's a hot market to do real estate? And they chose Las Vegas. I was just going to say Las Vegas. Yes, they chose Las Vegas. Um, I will say, though, if you haven't been to Las Vegas in, like, colder months, it does get cold. Especially at night. Oh, my God, yeah. 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 Well, it's the desert, so. Yeah, exactly. So there's no humidity. So it's, like, it goes from, like, 85 to, like, Mm -hmm. 40. Anywho, um, so they decide to move there in 2005. And they have this little real estate business. They both get licensed in Las Vegas. And, um you know, it's just a really nice life and they're enjoying things. And then one day, um, Mary Kay goes to work and, um, Tom said that he wasn't feeling well, so he was going to stay in bed a little longer. So she goes to the office and, um, one of their friends stops by and says, Hey, where's Tom? And, and Mary Kay goes, I don't know. He hasn't, he said he wasn't feeling good, but I don't know where he is. So she then gets a phone call and it's him and he sounds bad on the phone. And it turns out that he had a massive heart attack. (gasps) Oh, and no. he ended up dying. That oh, day. no. But I he called he, her. Yeah, I think he was 63. And I think Ooh, he knew that's... something was terribly wrong. So, so that's why he called her. He's like, this isn't OK. Yeah. So um, he ended up dying that day. And Mary Kay was like a mess. You know, she just didn't know what to do with herself. She had moved here to like live this dream with her life partner. And now he was gone. And they had a bunch of friends. And um, so it was like sad and you know, but she did have a little bit of a support community at that point. Um, and by September of 2010, uh, Mary Kay, uh, Beckman was convinced by friends that she should join online dating. Oh boy. Boop, boop, ba-doop. Not against it. Never done it. So, um, I, uh, well in 2000, in 2010, I did a dating, um, I guess we'll call it an experiment. Um, because I wasn't having any, any luck in the dating field, mm-hmm. just going to bars and stuff. So I did everything. That included Match.com, eHarmony, uh, Speed Dating. It's Just Lunch. Ooh, Speed Dating would be fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah, It's Just Lunch. I think that was it. I think I got set up on a couple dates that year, too. Mm-hmm. Basically, when 2010 was over, I was done with dating. You were over it. I was over dating. Um, so it took me a couple years and then I rejoined, I think at the time I joined OkCupid because my friend in New York said it was really cool because there was this and that feature. And this is before you could swipe. No, there was no swiping or anything like that. Like this is an actual dating like. Yeah. Like you filled out a profile and like, I don't know, I told you what your, what your percentage match was to someone. So I liked that part. So that's how I met my husband. Oh, Oh, thanks. OkCupid. Yeah. You want to be a sponsor of this show? Come on bold. Um, okay, so I went, uh, or so anyway, so Mary Kay at the time, it was 2010, she joined Match.com because that was obviously, and I think still is, a mm-hmm. fairly popular dating site. Um, so she decided to um, create her profile. She said she came home from work one day, poured herself a glass of wine, and was like, let's Get do this thing. So um, one of the people that reached out to her was a guy named Wade Mitchell Ridley. And, um, he reached out and said that he wanted to, um, go on a date with her. So she was very excited. She hadn't been on a date in forever. So they met up at a restaurant, like, and she did everything she was supposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, she told her friends, this is where we're going. 
This is who I'm going with. Good. Here is his picture. If I come up missing, this is who this took is me. who the hell it is. <laughs> so they go, and she said one of the first things she said was, "It was so interesting because I hadn't been on a date in a long time, and um, when we got to the restaurant." I reached for the door and he reached for it first and opened it for me. Oh, guys do that still. And she was like, oh my God, he's a gentleman. Yeah. So immediately she was like at ease with him and mm-hmm. they had really great conversation. They talked a lot about, you know, work. Um, he had just moved from Arizona um, because he was looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. He was a golf caddy for like professional oh, golfers. Okay. And um, he had moved up from Arizona because he just thought um, golfing, in Las Vegas would be more prestigious than Arizona. I don't know how true that is, I'm but whatever. Sure. Um, so they talked, whatever, whatever. Date's over. Uh, he, uh, I don't know if he walks her to her car. I think that's what he does. He walks her to her car and he says, I want to kiss you, Mary Kay. So they have a good night kiss. And he asks for a kiss. Mm-hmm. That's so romantic. Super cutie. So they kiss. Can he take notes? <laughs> Although you're, he's like been dating someone I, for a while. Right. Do this for Kim. Open the door for her. Yes. I already do that. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Gentlemen. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just took a sip of wine. Todd, take notes. Donald, take notes. All right. So um, they date for a little bit longer, but it didn't last too long. They literally ended up going on eight dates. During one of the dates, uh, Mary Kay explained why um, she wasn't married to her last life partner. Tom uh she kind of said after her first marriage and divorce uh she just never wanted to go through that again mm-hmm. so she was like fuck that I'm just yeah not getting married we're just gonna we're just gonna be yeah. life partners Which is great <laughs> great whatever you your boat um and at that time Wade Ridley said oh interesting uh, Callie is snoring <laughs> oh my god no now <laughs> she's now she's staring at the back oh. of your neck oh okay great creepy she's watching you every move um, every move I make. Um, okay. So Wade then revealed that, you know, he's had some, uh, bumps in his relationships in the past. In fact, his last girlfriend, uh, had a restraining order against him. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Red flag. <laughs> red flag. So it was not awesome. And at that point, Mary Kay was kind of like, Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, on another date, uh, she was out with, they were out with a group of Mary Kay's friends and there was a guy there who must be in the real estate business. And he was kind of razzing her about like, Oh, Mary Kay, are you going to come to this real estate event that we're hosting again? Like you go every year and you don't need to like, why are you going? And mm-hmm. she's like, I signed up. What if I learned something new? And Wade stood up from the table and said, are you going to let him talk to you like that? <gasps> like an, out- Bye, like done. an outburst, Mm-mm. outburst. In front of her friends in a public restaurant. Nope. Get the fuck and out of here. And coworkers, right? Yes. Well, mm. I don't know if they were coworkers, but like in the same industry. Yeah. Like real real estate friends, realtor friends. Mm-mm. Then uh, the last one that really got her is she, so she's a realtor. So she gets texts and phone calls and emails all the time from mm-hmm. clients because they're looking at houses. And a lot of times they're looking in their off hours because in the evening yeah Yeah. that's when you look at houses and so she was always answering you know text messages and things and one day uh she caught him reading her texts over her shoulder and she said um can I help you and he said who are you texting and she said a client and he goes well I deserve to know what guys (gasps) you're texting 
And she goes, it's not a guy and it's a client and it's none of your business. Yeah. And so that was kind of one of the last straws along with all the other red flags. So she's not putting up with this. No. So they went on eight dates total. Okay. Over the course of. And he was doing this that Like that's pretty. Eight dates in. Psycho. Eight dates. Yeah, no. Get the fuck out. Don't even look at my phone. Mm -mm. Never. What? So anyway, so um, she broke it off with him. Everything was fine. Um, Then, excuse me, on January 21st, 2011, which was four months after their last date, Mm -hmm. because they dated, they started dating in September 2010, um, Wade Ridley broke into Mary Kay's garage Mm. and waited for her. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. Then when she pulled in to her garage and started walking to her front door, he busted out and started stabbing her <gasps> oh my with God. a butcher knife. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. Poor lady. Yeah. So he stabbed her 10 times. Oh, shit. And it, it After was, eight dates? Take it easy, buddy. Yeah, eight dates and four months later. Ugh. So it was eight dates and then pause four months and then now that's you're coming? Like, that's okay. Math. I can two dates a month. That's yeah. not a lot. No, no, no. It was, it was, it, wait, I'm sorry. It was eight dates over the course of 10 days. Oh, and then this is four months later. And then four months after all Got of that happened. Got it. Like, dude, calm down. So he wow. stabs her 10 times. The 10th stab, it actually breaks the knife off <gasps> in her. Oh. So then he starts kicking and stomping her head. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then he grabbed her purse and ran away. To make it look like a robbery. Uh-huh. Um, little did he know that the neighbor across the street saw pretty much the whole thing. What a dumbass. So the problem is, is the neighbor um, couldn't really see who it was. She just saw a yeah. man attacking her neighbor wearing dark clothing and a hoodie. So she can help the police with a time frame not necessarily yeah. anything else and yeah. clothing yeah and it was good that she saw it because she could then they obviously dispatched the ambulance and everything right so mary Kay. oh um, yeah that too and that the most important factor the survivor portion <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the most important part of the story oh okay so they take mary Kay to the hospital it's cool it's cool it's cool um sometimes you don't know who's surviving in the story you know that's true um maybe so, it's the neighbor but mary Kay goes to the hospital <laughs> and um, she's just a real big mess. I mean, stab wounds everywhere. Uh, uh her head is like swollen to a Aww. billion times the normal size. That's an exaggeration, but I'm going to go with it. Um, her friend said it was like hard to look at her because she was just so incredibly disfigured from this. Um, one of the stab wounds was right next to her mouth. And so it kind of like caused a, like she had all these stitches right oh, next to her mouth on her face. Thing. They had to shave half of her head. Um, and put a drain, put a drain into her skull to drain all of the fluid out that was building up from the attack. Do you think he thought she was dead? Yes. I would, I would think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he thought she was dead. This is not where the story ends though. So Wade had also, when he worked in or when he was in Arizona, he worked for a guy named Len Samora, I believe his name was. And Len Samora was like the owner of a golf club, uh, like a country club or a a golf club, not an actual club, <laughs> not an actual club, a golf course. There we go. Now I was like, we're talking. Okay, he owns a golf club. 
a set of clubs? Great. I'm glad you had a dumb moment like me. I have them all the time and you never have them. Ha ha ha. Oh my God. The okay, funny so- thing is, is I started thinking about golf clubs. Mm. I knew what you meant though. It's fine. Okay. He, he was the owner of a golf course and he was, um, he had hired Wade as a caddy mm-hmm. when he lived in Arizona. And, you know, again, it was like everything started out fine and Wade was a great employee. And then things started going downhill. Then crazy came out. Yeah. So he was having, um, they were having a meeting because there was a big like pro tournament or something going on. Um, and so Wade was in the room with the other caddies and other people who were, you know, involved. And he was kind of like, the, you know, Len Samora said something like, and then we're going to have tea time at 8 a.m. sharp. And Wade in the back of the room kind of goes, Pfft. and Len goes, Wade, did you have something to say? Excuse me? And Wade loses his shit. He's like, you don't know how to run this place. Oh I could run this place 10 times better than you. You don't know how to run a tournament. I'll show you how to run a tournament. And then he starts physically like puffing his chest out at Len and the other guy who's in charge. Like, walks up to them with his chest all puffed up, like, I'm going to fight you. The, what? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like, so the reenactment was serious amazing. issues. And yeah. So he got fired the next day. Can't and handle his anger or rejection. No. Or- they asked him to leave then. Then he came back the next day, like, he thought he still had a job. Mm-mm. And Len was like, no, you're, we're going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, that enraged Wade. And when he was about to walk out the door, Len said, I need the um, cart keys. For the cart garage. And um, so Wade throws them up in the air so that Len has to look up. And then he sucker punches him. What a dick. What a dick. Wow. Well, and then he made some comment that Len better watch himself. Oh. Well, the fact that he came back the next day, I would definitely call the cops and be like, you got to give me surveillance Well, and he was something. very nervous because Wade knew where he lived mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So this is still like before he had dated Mary Kay. But right. again, this will tie into the story in a minute. Uh, Wade also was dating a woman named Ann Simonson in Arizona when he lived there. He also met her on Match.com. Mm. And he hadn't dated her in, I want to say like seven years. Okay. Um, and, but he called her still all the time. Ugh. Creepy. No way. And then, um, what happened was after he thought he killed Mary Kay, he drove. Oh no. To Arizona, broke into Ann Simonson's house and waited for her. Oh. They haven't dated in seven years. Like she's over it. She's living on. She's living with some other guy. So he's like, he basically walks around her house and looks at all the stuff and sees like all the rage. other guys' stuff Pure and the rage, rage. just keeps yeah. building and building. He broke in with a screwdriver, but he was carrying a machete. Mm. Casual. Keep it cash. He had to get another one because the other one he left in his other victim. Yeah. Um, so he basically, when Anne gets home, he starts uh, basically attacking her immediately. And her, it was in the... I guess, I don't know if it's a documentary, the reenactment, the reenactment, it was really sad because she was trying anything to get him to stop Mm -hmm. stabbing her with his machete. And so after a few stabs, she yells, I love you, Wade, Mm. just to try and get him to stop. Did he stop? No, it made him more mad. Really? See, that's something I would try. I would try to like affection to like. Yeah, no, he got 
more mad. And then he decided the machete wasn't doing good enough, so he grabbed a knife out of her butcher block and stabbed her with that. So he stabbed her until she stopped talking, stopped moving, and unfortunately Anne didn't make it. Mm. So once he killed her, he washed off the knife, he washed off the machete, um, and he left her house and he stole her purse and her car. He then drove, started driving back to Las Vegas. Okay. Because I don't know if he had a feeling he didn't finish the job, but the whole thing was, I mean, I think he was driving back to make sure that Mary Kay was dead. dead. So um, he had stolen this car, which wasn't the smartest move because then police could kind of yeah, track duh, dummy. <laughs> um, where he was and what he was doing. So um, the boyfriend of Anne, who had been living with her, mm-hmm. He, they had a shared bank account, so he could see everywhere this guy stopped and used the debit oh, card. Yeah. So he called the police, and he said, I think he's on his way to Vegas, like based on oh everywhere he stopped. That's smart, yeah. Yeah. So they found him. They caught him before he got to Vegas. Um, so you think he was going back to the crime scene? I think so. she was dead, yeah. yeah. And um, so he, he got arrested. He pretty much immediately confessed to killing Anne. Um. But everything was excuses with him. And he was yeah, also very, of course. He, he was mentally disturbed. He was very, um, like everyone wronged him and that's yeah. why they deserve like it. Like he's a victim. And the other thing that was interesting is he, it wasn't just Anne and Mary Kay. There were other people on a list. I think I've seen this one. And the list included Len Samora, the guy who had fired him and he sucker punched. That long ago. That long ago. What an asshole. Yeah. So he clearly is, you know, a victim and. Oh, yeah. Everyone's everyone's out to get get you. Right. And he's. Yeah. He's the one. Yeah. Poor you. Shut up. Like all this guy did was fire you. Move on. Right. All Mary Kay did was break up with you. That's all Anne did too. After eight dates. So Loser. long story short, or long story long, as it turns out, uh, they arrested him. He confessed to Anne. Then they said, do you have anything else you want to tell us? And he then confessed to Mary Kay. He did not know if she was alive or not, so he didn't know whether to say he had killed her. Um, they told him that she was still alive, and um, he decided to take a plea deal, um, which was actually good because Mary Kay said she didn't, she didn't have want, to testify. Yeah, good. she didn't okay. want to testify and she didn't have to since he took the plea deal. So she didn't have to face him again. Um, yeah, I can't imagine being beat that brutally and stabbed and have to face the person that did that to you. Oh, my God. Awful. I, oh, oh, awful. And um, so anyway, the um, the sad part is, is he got so he got uh, I forget how many years, but it was basically like getting life in prison um when he got convicted for her attempted murder and then um or like a really long time and then um he ended up committing suicide by prison so he never got tried for Anne's murder oh so she never got justice like true justice i mean her yeah yeah for her family and stuff so um super sweet though uh mary Kay actually talked to Anne's sister oh really and her, I think her sister said something like, um, Anne always told people to like live your life and always smile or something very sweet like mm-hmm. that. And so Mary Kay has that on all of her business stuff for her real estate business. Aww. It's just like live every like day. Like an honor and live, of her. Yeah. And, and it's an honor. Um, because she had asked her, she's like, what can I do to pay tribute to your sister? And she's like, and she said, just live your life and, and smile. 
And she's like, that's what my sister always wanted. I love that. And um, the other thing that came out of this is um, Mary Kay, she sued Match.com. Oh. For um, not protecting or giving out information that would have been helpful. Helpful, yeah. Um, when she decided to go on a date with this guy. Yeah, like when you do a Match.com profile, do you have to enter like, what if... <laughs> Callie Excuse snores. me, Callie. Oh, she's up. Okay. She wants she wants to come in. I'm sweating. Um, do you have to, like, how do they know if you have a, a felony or restraining order? They don't know any of that. No. I mean, as far as, I, I mean, I haven't been on it since, like, 2010 yeah. myself. So there are no plate, there are no checks and balances with Not really. anybody can just get on it. Yeah. So, but that's what they're trying to do. There was also an incident with, like, cars.com where someone, like, got swindled out of a bunch of money because they mm-hmm. bought a car from some ad that they saw. But the ad was placed by, a, like, a third party that wasn't associate. It's you just, just gotta be websites careful. Are really, it's difficult. Yeah. So you can do everything right and still yeah. be in a dangerous like she situation. She was doing everything right. I mean, she, it's not like she was doing anything. Yeah. So um, I guess keep your wits about you. And I think it's still, it got um, pushed back in one of the courts. I forget which one. Um, but I think it's still, I think it's still pending, like to see if she can actually get something, some, so, some sort of retribution. Well, and then maybe for, they can pass some kind, like, or even if. Again, I've never done Match.com or anything, but what if you can pay extra to, like, do a background? Right. I don't know. Like, and I don't know. And maybe the there are background checks now. I mean, yeah. they do that stuff on, like, Care.com if you're looking for a babysitter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway. So it's possible. Figure it out. I think it's possible. Match.com, get it together if you haven't already. If you have, good job. And you can sponsor us if you want. Also true. Um, so, I get, that's it. That's Mary Kay. And I, she's a I badass. I like I've heard of that one before. I, I don't remember seeing it, but I remember... The Las Vegas and the Arizona connection. Yeah, it was, was really good. And you did that without looking at anything. I did it without looking at anything. I'm so guys, proud. Jenny just told you a true off the cuff story without looking or reading anything. <gasps> I'm panicked. I'm sweating though. I'm Are like, you? Yeah. yeah. It made me a little nervous. Well, that's well, <laughs> yeah, because I have. I mean, okay. So I watched a documentary last night. Mm-hmm. I had watched this partially over the weekend uh, on Dateline uh, because I love Dateline and. I fell asleep like halfway through it, not because it was boring, but because I was tired. Right. And I was like, I really want to do this one because it was different and interesting. And so I watched the full, and I was going to try to do a Jenny and just like off the cuff do it. Well, I started watching it last night and it's a fucking two hour day line. Oh no. No. And like 45 minutes and I look at my husband, I'm like, this is a two hour one, isn't it? And I looked at the time and I was like, damn it. So I had, I I like, kind of took a summary of what I already watched and then I just made bullet points so I did try hey to do it off the cuff but it's it was too long there's so many details you gotta look at the length before you start I know listen, that's what I do listen guys if or you're like podcast, last week last week when I was like I'm watching this documentary and when it was done I was like well that didn't have any survivors in it <laughs> you're like 45 minutes later everybody died <laughs> well, I'm going to try to muddle through this because again, my intention when I first started taking notes was that I would just do bullet points and read and like off the cuff do it, but it didn't turn out that way. So hey, here we go. Cool. So let me get situated here. Ahoy! Are you looking for something naughty to spice up your wardrobe? That's N-A-U-T-I as in nautical. Check out the fantastic apparel at the Savvy Anchor. They have everything you need for that pirate or mermaid in your life. Everything but the water, of course. The Savvy Anchor specializes in nautical apparel for men and women. Their super soft garments will soon become your favorite thing to wear. Be prepared for compliments. Load up on booty today. (laughs) Sorry, that made me giggle. Savvy Anchor is offering 30% discount. 
uh, to SIP Survive repeat listeners. You heard that right. 30%. Visit SavvyAnchor.com to get your SIP Survive discount by using offer code SIPSURVIVE. Save 30% off regular priced items. Discount does not apply. Don't even try it to sale or clearance items. Shipping is always free for orders over $50. Again, save 30% with code SIPSURVIVE at SavvyAnchor, S-A-V-V-Y, Anchor, A-N-C, H-O-R.com. Listen, spelling anchor is harder than it looks. Start living the naughty life with savvy anchor apparel. What are you waiting for? Ahoy, matey. (laughs) I had to. So this is the story of the bank. (laughs) I bobbed myself in the face. I just hit herself in the face with her microphone. It was Um, great. This is the bank heist by Michael Bonatti and Brian Witham. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm saying his last name right, but who cares? So these two guys are um, bank robbers, essentially. Okay. But I'm going to back up first and tell their four victim stories. The first one, I'm going to go into a lot of detail because, quite frankly, that's what Dateline did. And <laughs> <laughs> the other three, I'm it's it's not as much it's detail, bullied. but and then it all kind of wraps up at the end. So... Um, these two assholes, uh, decided to, on February, 2015, target a man who was, um, his name was Matt Yusman. He was 46 years old Mm -hmm. and he is a CFO at a local credit union in Connecticut. He's an avid hockey player. Hockey was his uh, passion. And every Sunday night he would play in his hockey league. And I think his hockey league was oddly funny enough called the trash pandas, which I thought was kind of funny. That's hilarious. But I would also like to say. Um, I'm sidebarring for a sec. Yeah. Did you ever play broom ball? No, but I've heard of it. Okay. In college, it was like all the rage. Oh, really? Yeah. You play in your shoes and you hit a ball with brooms instead of hockey pucks and sticks. I feel like I would be semi good at that. I was awful, but I'm also awful at all, all sports. I am too, but it's a broom. Not it's that I'm broom. like, I mean, it yeah. has basically, it's more like wide. So right. Maybe I would actually hit the ball. I, I don't mean, know. yeah. And it's a ball, not a puck. Correct. So. Hmm. I've heard of it, but never played it Okay, because I don't play sports. Um, okay. So um, he came home on a Sunday night from his hockey game and, you know, he had lots of gears. If you know anyone that plays hockey, there's like stinky, gear. so much stinky, sweaty gear. My best friend's son, who's like seven or eight, plays hockey and there's just so much she's got to do before the game and after like gear wise. Gross. It's terrifying. So. Um, he comes home from a game. He's unloading his um, trunk of his car. He pulls into his garage. And um, he also lives with his seven-year-old mom. Um, so her, his dad had passed away a few years earlier. So he took his mom in and takes care of her and stuff. So she was 70. She was home. And she was actually watching, like, the Oscars or something. Like So it was late. And she was still up in the house. And he had, again, pulled in the driveway in the garage. And he hears um, someone walk up behind him. And, um, and they yell at him to kneel on the ground. Oh, so he, he That's does never what you want to hear. No. And he's distracted. Cause you know, he's in the middle of doing his other thing and he's at home. So someone walks up behind him and puts a gun to the back of his head and zip ties his hands together. Mm. Um, the gunmen were covered head to toe. Like he couldn't even see their skin color. Oh, They're wearing like overly heavy stuff. So he also couldn't tell like if they were skinny or heavy set, they're wearing masks and black ski goggles. So he had oh, no Jesus. idea what these people looked like. They wow. were very like put together. Okay. Um, he knew that when he 
that they were so covered up that it was going to, this was really bad. Like he knew he was in trouble. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, he's on his knees zip tied. Um, also another sign. They, yeah, they thought they were, this was a home invasion, but it's, it's not. Um, they lived in a ranch house, so it sits back and, and again, it's in Connecticut. So there are a lot of woods. So the neighbors couldn't really see what was going on mm-hmm. and it was late at night. Um, they take Matt's mom to the bedroom where they turn up the TV really loud and they duct tape her, um, feet at, to the bottom of the bed. So they like wrap duct tape around her two feet and then, and then tie that to the bed so she can't go anywhere. Um, and again, she's 70. So, I mean, she's not really going to do much. Uh, let's see. So they told Matt that, um, they, they, well, first they put a hat over his face and then they duct taped around his mouth and then they zip tied his, um, they must unzip tied his hands and they zip tied him again. And they told him they had one of those like voice changer machines. Oh, geez. So they also they really put, didn't want to know. know who they were really like put together. So they also put headphones on him uh-huh. and spoke through one of those voice machines. So their voice was all like recalculated and like, you know, yeah. scary. That was really good. Um, thanks. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> they said that they owe uh, very bad people a lot of money and um, he's going to help them get that money. In fact, they're, they need to get $4.2 million. Oh, very gee. precise amount. Excuse me. Yes. What the? Okay. So the funny thing or not funny thing, but the odd thing is, is that the kidnappers knew intimate details about his life. They knew that he was coming from hockey. They knew where he was. They knew that his mom lived there. They knew his, you know, last name, where he worked. They had been clearly watching him for many months. Oh, um, and they told him, so this is around 3am at this point, they're still in the house and they tell him, go take a shower. That's a weird and he's request. Like, he's like, okay. Was it because of the hockey smell? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he was just really stinky from all the hockey gear. And he was still, yeah, like in his like hockey, whatever. Do you like I have this weird well, like. I think they did it because they were concerned about their DNA being on him. And they also oh. strapped a bomb to him after that. Oh, no. So they put a bomb in his chest and then duct taped around it. And then they also vacuumed the house afterwards before they left. Did so, they empty the vacuum, though? I don't know. But that's actually a good point. Right. I don't think they were that smart. I'm just a really great crime committer. He said his mom was very traumatized when they she heard, because she could hear was, what was happening, mm. and she could hear the duct tape, like the unrolling of the duct tape, and she knew something bad was happening. Um, they basically told Matt that in the morning he was going to get dressed for work and go to his um, one of the branches to the credit union and empty out the vault, and he was not to call the police. And he had until 11 o'clock to do this or the bomb would go off. And they would text him in the meantime and and let him know where the drop-off point was. And if he deviated from the plan, they would also put a bomb under his mom's bed and blow her up too. No! Yes. So Matt gets dressed for work like it's any other day. And no one's following him. Like these kidnappers are like, don't don't fuck with us or we're going to blow you up. So we trust you that you're going to do this. So he calls his boss. He did as he was instructed and he calls his boss and said, he explained what was happening and he said, do not call the police. Just if you do anything, don't call the police. So he pulls into the parking lot of the branch and sure enough, there are like four cop cars there. No, (laughs) come on. And pure panic sets in, he said. And he had at this point two and two hours and 15 minutes until the bomb exploded. Or would explode. So he waited for the... So he's sitting in the car and the cops yell out, you know, what's your phone number so then they can talk to him. Because at this point, the cops don't know if he's a suspect, if he's really a victim. Like, they don't really know what's going on. Right. They're just just trying to be cautious. Yeah. 
And the cops also called the bomb squad from other cities to come in. Like, they didn't have a... It's Connecticut, like a small town in Connecticut, so it's not like they had, like, a bomb squad on hand. So um, it was going to take a while before the actual bomb squad arrived. So they were just talking to him and, and trying to understand what was going on. And Matt kept explaining to them, like, I only have an hour now until this bomb goes off. Like, like... And at this point, the kidnappers also text him the address on where to drop everything off. And they're like, hey, what's going on? And Matt is working with the cops at this point, And he responds back to them and says, um, there's a lot more money than expected. So it's taking me a little longer, which is a great response. And the kidnappers are like, OK, great. Meet at this point. And they gave him a drop off point. Also, while all this is going on, um, Matt's mom is a badass in and of herself because she frees herself at home. Yeah, she did. And gets the duct tape off and runs outside of the house and gets out of the house. And as she was running out of the house, the police actually show up to her house too. Mm. And they get her in the cop car. They, you know, and it was also nine degrees out at this point. So it's cold. Um, and she's just, you know, discombobulated. So they get her to the hospital, make sure she's okay. They also inform Matt that his mom's okay and everything's fine. Um, so we're back to Matt's portion, and he, the bomb squad finally arrives with 25 minutes left before the bomb goes off. So nice. they have Matt, yeah, they have him get out of his car, and again, it's nine degrees out. They have him take his shirt off because the bomb's underneath his shirt. So he's standing out in the freezing cold, and from a distance, the bomb squad can't really tell. They think it's a C4 bomb. I don't know, I just wrote that down. I don't really know what that means. They think it's a C4 bomb, but there's so much duct tape wrapped around his chest. They don't, they can't see like what kind of wires are there. They don't really know what they're working with. So oh God. one of the bomb squad guys who's a badass is like, you know what? I'm going to suit up and I'm going to go check this bomb out. So he suits up and then he walks over to Matt and you know, he's like, we got to take this duct tape off and this is going to hurt. Cause he's, you know, he's hairy and whatever. Yeah, he's and a dude. So he's ripping the duct tape off and Matt is like yelling cause he's in crucial pain from this, but he's like, Hey, it's better than a bomb going off. I mean, valid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they get the, the duct tape off. And, um, at this point the bomb squad guy realizes that it's not a real bomb. Oh, get the fuck out. Uh-huh. So it's a, it was a hoax, but not a hoax. It was like a Fisher he really Price. thought he, right. It was like some clay thing with fake wires. So they cut the wires off and they, they drop that. Well, at this point, they're not a hundred percent sure it's not a real bomb, but okay. he can tell by looking at it that it's not as high tech as he anticipated the, the bomb squad guy. So a funny part of this, Matt, it drops to the ground, but there's so much duct tape on it. The bomb squad guy goes, kick it away and let's run like kick it and let's go. Like we're going to run the other way. So Matt kicks it and like a thing of toilet paper, it sticks to his shoe because there's so much duct tape on it. Oh and he, so he God. starts to run away and the bomb is like following him. And the, again, they don't think it's a real bomb, but they're not 100% sure yet because they haven't been able to like get into it. So then he kicks it off his foot finally, finally and then runs to safety. <laughs> they take him to the hospital um, and, you know, they start the process there. Unfortunately for Matt, it looks very suspicious. Uh-oh. Because his mom wasn't hurt. Right. And his mom also gave a testimony that they were really polite to her. Like, they called her ma'am. They told her that she wasn't going to die. Like, they went above and beyond, and they were very, like, careful how they tied her up. And they think at this point that Matt's involved. Uh-oh. And Matt's family had also told them that he was a big gambler. Oh. And that he, you know, this, that, and the other. And Matt's saying throughout all of this, like, no, that's not true. I'm not involved. Like, I have no idea who these people are. I'm not involved in this. And he's like, I'll take a polygraph test. Well, Uh-oh. he fails part of it. Oh, come on. So as all of this no. is happening, this is like, this is going on like three months later, like all this investigation and Matt's, you know, put on leave from his job and times are kind of tough for him. No one believes him. 
Um, we shift. So this is in Connecticut. And then we shift to Tennessee. Okay. Okay. I need to scroll because I did that all on the top of my head, you guys. Good job. I didn't read any of that. That was amazing. I especially like the part where the bomb stuck to his foot. I know, right? That oh was great. God. Okay. So two months later, um, in Tennessee, this is victim number two. His name is Mark Ziegler. He's a CEO of a credit union as well. Hmm. So this is another bank guy. Um, he's backing out of his garage and noticed that the trash can is knocked over. So he's like, ah, what happened? You know, whatever. So he gets out of his car and fixes the trash can. And as he does, um, he notices two people with heavy clothes, dark ski masks, um, run up on him with guns drawn. They force him back into his house. Mm-mm. where they give him a three-page note with details on how he's going to rob his own credit union. Similar situation. Right. Basically the same drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's to empty the vault and get them $3.4 million now. Okay. Um, and for every minute he was past the deadline, his wife was also in the house. They have her tied up. And they said that they're going to cut off one of her fingers <gasps> for every minute that he goes past the deadline. And then they also said, and we know you have a daughter in Texas. And if you go past the deadline, even after, like, after your wife has no more fingers left, we're going to cut your daughter up in little pieces and mail her to you. So he's like, shit. Like, these people know I have a daughter in Texas. They know stuff about me that, you know, it's right. not a home. Inv- like, it's not just some random. So um, he goes to the bank, empties the vault. He slips his coworker a note that says, home invasion, call police. And he gets $100,000 in cash from the vault. That's all he got. Um, so the kidnappers get wind that the police are involved. I'm sure they see them from a distance or whatever. And they text, uh, him, uh, Mark and they say abort mission. So they never connect with him again. They never get their money. They just leave mysteriously. Like they're just gone. So that's victim number two. Um, wow. Okay. So Matt back in Connecticut read the story about this same CEO and, and took it to the FBI who was investigating him and said, look, this happened again in Tennessee. Like I'm not connected to this. And the FBI was like, no, this is just a coincidence. This is not like you're still under investigation. Go away. So victim number three was a young couple and they were just starting um, their day and they just had a baby and the wife goes to leave the house for a morning run and her husband's upstairs with the baby still and um, two men with masks jump out and um, like she's getting ready to leave the garage and they come up walking up the driveway and she sees them and they have their guns drawn. So she runs back inside, runs upstairs where her husband is and shuts the door. So they're in the bedroom with the baby, her husband, and um, her husband is actually, uh, he works at a local bank. So they're really after the husband. Yeah. Yeah. So they break into the bedroom door with a crowbar and they kidnap the two and the, and the babies in the car, too. And they drive her husband to the bank that he works at and instructs him to go in, take the money. And um, he – sorry, I lost my train of thought. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So they go to the bank. He walks into the bank, gets money, and then leaves the bank and then meets them at the car. And they drive away. So he gets like $100,000 too. And then the bank robbers drop him off at the side of the road with his wife and his baby and just leave. And they're unharmed or anything, but they do get away with the money. And they're just like, okay. So victim number four. Um, Now we're in northern Tennessee. And this lady's name is Brooke Lyons. She's a young mother. And she's in the car with her son. Uh, she was, I don't know what she was doing, but she wasn't really paying attention. And I don't know if she was at a stoplight or she was somewhere, but someone jumped in her car. Oh no. And they, keep those doors locked. I know. Lock your doors. 
And they knew she worked at a credit union. They had their guns drawn, and they said, we're going to drive you to work, and you're going to steal. Callie, take it easy. Do you hear her in there? Yes. Honey. Okay. So they're like, we're going to drive you to work, and you're going to get $350,000 out of the vault or else. And so they pull up to the front of her credit union that she works at, and her baby's still in the car. And they're like, go in and get the money. Oh, my God. So she goes in and her boss is like, we're not giving you any money. And she was like, please, my baby's in the car. Like they're holding me hostage. Like I have to, I have to bring them something or they're going to kill my baby. And her boss was just like, no, we're not giving you any money. So she runs what out. A dick. I know. So she runs out of the bank, opens the car door and she has like an empty bag that the robbers had given her and she throws it in the car and she throws herself over the baby. And she was like, please don't kill my baby. They won't give me money. And the robbers literally jump out of the car and run. Another car pulls up, they get in that car and they drive away and they just leave her there again. They didn't get the money. So now this is, this is where we end. So, um, this was in, so this is like a month later, Mm -hmm. this guy named Adam Russo was driving down I 40 in North Carolina. Great. Sounds Sounds like a great great road. road. So he sees a black SUV swerving in and out and and notices that, um, a police chase ensues. And obviously he knows that something's not right. And he actually gets hit by the car. So he pulls off the side of the road and this black SUV is hitting other cars. It finally wrecks. And these two guys jump out of it and run into the woods. They cross another highway and run into the woods next to and they get away. Because the state troopers decide not to, you know, go after them. Oh, my God. So the way that um, Adam's car was hit by the black SUV, they hit him like... It was like a police maneuver. Like the way they were hit. So it was... Adam was telling his fiance about what had happened to him. They're watching the video. Sorry, my dog is making all these weird, funny noises. Um, Adam's fiance's dad mm-hmm. is a um, FBI agent. Oh. So obviously she had told her dad what happened to her fiance and he got a hold of the video. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the way that that getaway car hit Adam's car, he was like, these people are... Like, that's a police maneuver. Like, they know something. They, they Like, he was putting two and two together. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just interested in the details. Well, funny enough, he got put on one of the other bank robbery cases. Oh, okay. So he's really the guy that connects the dots. It's very distracting. <laughs> it's hard to read while she's like, <laughs> in the background. Okay. So, Brian O'Hare is the FBI agent. Okay. So that's um, Adam's fiance's dad okay. so he's the one that's connecting all the dots yes and he was assigned to the last victim's case where she had the baby in the car in that whole situation um so the also he noticed that when the two guys jumped out of the getaway car they had black bags and all the robbers in this in this whole thing had black bags mm-hmm. so he knew they were somehow connected the robbers also left a gps um because they abandoned the car and ran away they also left a gps unit in the car Oh, so when the police, when, um, the FBI agent saw this, he was like, he started connecting the dots. Like these are the bank robbers. And he was like, let's look at the GPS. And they found on the GPS where they had been staking out for weeks. Like they had all of their points on there. They had where they lived on there. They had all that. So basically they were busted. They were caught. Um, so the cops found out. They staked him out for weeks at this place that they rented in the woods in the middle of nowhere. And they pulled him over one day when they were leaving their house and they arrested them. And, um, the two 
suspects they arrested was Brian Whitman and Michael Bonatti. And both of them had met in prison years earlier. Mm -hmm. And Michael was actually like a CEO prisoner. Basically, he started this company where he would help former inmates and he embezzled a bunch of money from them. And that's why he was robbing all these banks, I guess. Basically, Ah. they're a bunch of dickheads. They're they're criminals. Great. And when they raided their house... They um, found very sophisticated equipment. They found masks and wigs. And and that's how he knew that police maneuver because they had been in the criminal system for a very long time. And um, they had been in and out of jails their whole life. So um, it turns out that they were stalking victims for months in advance. So they almost had like a victim packet created for each of their victims. Mm -hmm. They would find them on like the credit union or bank websites and then look them up on Facebook And then they would um, find their house, stalk them for weeks. Like the one guy, um, I think it was Michael Bonetti, was the one who would dress in camo gear Mm -hmm. and sit outside their house for like like weeks at a time. Like he wouldn't even, he would urinate in like a plastic jug so he wouldn't leave his DNA behind or anything. And he would just find out when they turned their lights on, when they turned their lights off, when they got home, when they ate dinner, when like he knew everything about these people's lives. So that way they could, you know, come on them, you know, jump on them whenever they were in a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. Um, so they both get served. They both go to jail or whatever. And, um, Bonatti serves is serving now four consecutive life sentences. Oh, jeez. Okay. And Whitman is serving, um, 30 years. Wow. And I just think the whole message here is that be careful what you put online because they were able to target their victims based on everything they found on LinkedIn, Facebook, also on like, you know, where you works website is Mm. where they started. And, um, even like the one guy from where his daughter lived in Texas, they only knew that because of Facebook. So just, I mean, I know we all want to like connect and stuff, but just maybe don't put, maybe don't put like your date of birth there or right. Or your home address or put, don't put when you're on vacation. Right. Wait till you get, wait till you get home and post all your pictures then. Yeah. So that's the bank robber story. I feel like there's more, but I, no, there's not. That's it. I that's love it. So half was from memory and half was reading. Hey, Sorry. great job. Yeah. So that's the story, the bank heist of Michael Benetti and Brian Whitman. And if you want to watch the Dateline episode, go for it. It's new. It just came out. Ooh, girl. Yeah. I love new shit. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I I wasn't sure. I, I thought there would be like more heartbreak and death. But no. They, these robbers were really in it just for the money. I skipped I skipped some stuff because it was getting long. Um Obviously, in the Dateline episode, there's a lot more detail, but the the goal... Oh, and also the guy from Connecticut, the first guy, he... Obviously, they were like, you're good. Like, you didn't do you're it. You're cool. He, they exonerated him, and he got his job back and all that good and stuff. And he was like, so life is good. And he was in the documentary. Oh, good. So, and yeah. he's doing okay. Yeah. Everyone's good. Phew! Hoo-wee! Dateline! Kenny... Okay, so the weird news of the week. I can't wait to guess this one. So, Ooh, really? based no. in China, a drunk man vomits hard. He throws up something, and then he swallows it back. Ew. What do you think he threw up? Gross. Um, I'm going to say drugs. Hold on. I'm going to say some type of drug because he was being placed, chased by the police. Okay, okay. I'm going to guess part of his esophagus, Ew. and then he swallowed it. Jenny's actually c- kind of close. Oh, yes. But what? 
So it was actually an undiagnosed tumor. After a drinking <laughs> session, the man vomited the meatball and quickly swallowed it back with that a is, glass of water. That is disgusting. Because he thought he had mistakenly puked a part of his body out. Well, so, I mean, technically it was part of his body, but it wasn't supposed to be there. So it was a tumor like in his esophagus. In his esophagus. He went to the doctor. And they're like, oh, wait, like this is a tumor. It's been growing in your esophagus the entire time. It was 15 centimeters long and four centimeters thick. How big is that? I don't know. Um, 15, three centimeters is like an inch. So that's like. Shut up, really? So 15 centimeters. Five that's inches big. long. Holy shit. It's probably like that. And then like. That is so disgusting. I can't even. Uh. Yeah. Danelle's making a lot of puke faces. The thought of just. I can't even like. That's so gross to me. It's it's a pretty disgusting story. I thought maybe the cops were like chasing him and he had like tried to swallow drugs and he threw him up because he was running so fast and then just had to eat him again because he didn't want to get arrested. No, he was throwing up a tumor. And swallowed it. And And, swallowed swallowed it. Because it was still probably attached. You can't just throw that up and it comes out. Yeah, but what do you... I don't know. Isn't a tumor's attached to shit in your body? But maybe it came unattached and that's how he... I don't know. No, I feel like part of his... It was so big that the esophagus... I think it came out, but it was still attached, so he had to swallow it again. Well, he's describing it as a meatball, which makes me think like it was. In but if his he puke. swallowed it, wouldn't it have gone into his stomach at that point? Well, he was very drunk. He's probably like, "Oh shit!" Oh, I, he was. I puked my liver out and and, and swallowed. I better get this back in there. <laughs> How do I get this put back? Let me just swallow it back. It'll go right back where it belongs. Ew. Kenny, that's gross. Yeah, it was a pretty gross story. That's a good one, though. Yuckaroonies. I mean, I love how far off I am every week. <laughs> Not even ever fucking close. It's fine. I feel like one week you were close. Once. Yeah, yeah. one time. Good one. One out of 14. Yeah, that was the first or time 15. I was close, I think. So. No, you're usually mm-hmm. close. No. Nope. That's gross. That was a good one. Where'd yeah. you get that from? Reddit. Oh, always get, always get my news from yeah. 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 Um, if you guys have any weird news stories that you would like us to cover, uh, send those to Sip Survive Repeat. Uh, just make sure in the subject line you say that it's for weird news because me and Danelle then won't read it. We yeah. will just forward Kenny it to Kenny. It. Um, and then don't forget to check us out on social Sip Survive Repeat on Facebook and Instagram and Sip Survive on Twitter. I think that's it. I think that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.